You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We haven't talked about defensemen. I know Mason Laura was lined up with uh, Brennan Carlo. Uh, how much did you get to see of that pairing? What did you think of that? Yeah, the, so the defense was mixing and matching a little bit more, but... Yeah, I thought I thought I thought Laura looked solid. It wasn't the best I've ever seen him look, and getting knocked down by Chieson was, you know, that was like I said, like that was sort of the yeah that that happens faster here, like head up, you know. Um, but yeah, there there was some mixing and matching on defense, and it was the same sort of idea with like guys, um, you know, sort of like a younger player with a vet, like. McAvoy was with uh, Parker Wotherspoon, who they signed up from the Islanders AHL team. Uh, Hambus Lindholm was with Riley Walsh, one of the young D they brought in. Um, just looking through. Forber was with Ian Mitchell, one of the guys they got in Taylor Hall trade. The other guy they got in, you know, from the Blackhawks in that deal, Alec Regula was with Grizzlick. So um, I feel like, I feel like I just paid more attention to the forwards, honestly, like nothing really jumped out to me um, other than like, like I said, like the, that Jackson Edward hit on Marshand, like that catches your attention. Um, just trying to run through my notes quickly here. But other than that, like, I don't think anyone really stood out, but in fairness, like I said, I probably was just paying closer attention to the, to the forwards, which I sort of like noticed with maybe like 20 minutes left in practice. I was like, I just have more notes on forwards Bad, you know, well, we, we kind of talked about it in our episode just, there's last week, more obvious battles there. Yeah. Yeah. And that like defensively, they have a strong decor. It's not like we're talking about looking at centers. So we've, we already knew going into this, this was going to be focusing on centers very heavily. And then Lorai and Lysel, just because of um, those two guys being two of the top prospects they have coming up um, with an outside chance of making the team. But uh, it's, it's all eyes on the centers, really, uh, when you think about it. Question about the goaltending, because you've just noted one, before. One last thought, just before we get away from okay. the centers. Another thing that could potentially work in Beach's favor is that he is a left shot center who's good on face-offs and 
Montgomery had mentioned on Wednesday when he was asked about Trent Frederick, and he said, no, Frederick's probably staying on the wing, but he wants Frederick to work on face-off so they have another left-shot option because right now, if you line up, you know, who's expected to be the centers, Pavel Zak is the only lefty. Um, and Montgomery was asked today, like, could that be something that potentially gives Beecher an edge? And he said, absolutely. So they want another lefty who can take face-offs and win face-offs. And they would like for it to be Trent Frederick because they know he's going to be on the team anyways, but it also could be Beecher. Like that could work in his favor. Yeah. And, and Frederick's a guy that we're going to go back and forth probably throughout preseason. I wonder, you know, talking about whether or not he could end up as one of the centers, even though um, we've mentioned the other guys a lot more as center options, but I wonder if we'll see Montgomery play him at center at all in the preseason, or if he's already predetermined he's more of a winger this year going forward. Because I know on breakup day, Frederick was asked about the potential of getting more time at center if Krejci and Bergeron retire, and he said he was excited for that. So I wonder how yeah. much Frederick still views himself as a center. I So the when he was at Jimmy Fund's, um, yeah, I think he was kind of asked about that and I, I, whether he really feels this way or he's just saying it, but like, I get the impression that he legitimately does feel comfortable again, all three forward spots now. Mm-hmm. And it's probably now just a situation where it's like, as long as he's playing an important role in like getting minutes, like I'm sure he wants more minutes than last year and he can get that even if he's still a winger. So you know, he really didn't play much special teams at all last year. He could absolutely be more involved on the penalty kill this year at the very least, because they lost several penalty killers. So, um, you know, I think, I don't know. It seems to me like he's pretty comfortable on, on the wing. And he, he has said, I don't know if it was Jimmy fund or if it was um, another day that we talked to him, but he did say he liked playing right, right wing last year. Like it was, it was pretty new to him, but he, you know, in part, and Montgomery's mentioned this is like when he's on the right side, he can he can open up and like be in better position to shoot. And he scored a career high seventeen goals last year, so you mm-hmm. you see the benefits of that. And I think I think Frederick understands that. Like if you know if they're like, hey, we're keeping you in the wing, but part of the reason we're doing that is because we want you to be one of our goal scorers. Like you know we want you to improve on 17 goals last year. We need guys to, to pick it up and, and score more. And this is a way we, we see you being able to help us do that. It is going to be interesting for him though, because he, he had that career high year, but he was next to Charlie Coyle, who he had established a lot of chemistry with. And that's just not where he's going to shake out this year because Coyle is having to move up um, and it's going to take him away from Frederick. So I don't know how many guys are going to be having career years this year the way that they did last season. It's going to be different. And for Frederick, he's going to have to be someone who finds new chemistry with whoever is on that line with him. Yeah, definitely. I do think Morgan Geeky has like some coil attributes. Like he is like a bigger body. He, you know, he's a good four checker. Like he, he will protect pucks. So not saying he's, you know, an exact coil replica, like he's not, but there's some similarities there. Like, I don't think 
I don't think Trent Frederick's going to hit the ice with Morgan Geeky and be like, whoa, this is, this is a totally different kind of player. Like, what's going on? Like, no, I, I, th- I think he'll see some things and be like, oh, yeah, that worked with me and Charlie last year. And, like, we can still do that. So um, that could at least help. Yeah, that if they're a similar style, then. But it is, it is different in that Charlie Coyle is someone that Frederick talked about helping him out in his career on and off the ice. So there was a an off the ice relationship there, comfortability level there that's not just hockey related. Um, so he's we'll, we'll keep an eye on that too. Evolving situation with him. All the lines are looking different. Um, few few questions for you as well. Quickly about the goalies. Um, it's hard to kind of judge goalies in training camp. Um, anything, any takeaways goaltender wise? Um, Michael DiPietro had, I think the, the best stretch of any goalie that I saw where during, so that like two on two center ice drill, I mentioned with like open eyes, he denied a breakaway, got knocked over, lost his stick, made a glove save without his stick. And then, like, 10 seconds later, denied, denied another breakaway. Um, so, like, that jumped out. But, yeah, other than that, like, as they're just going through drills, it's like they're just facing a million shots. And it's, you know, I can't say anything really jumped out one one way or the other. Um, well, but I know Swayman, Swayman was the goalie that was available to the media after. Um, I yeah. heard some of his comments. Yeah, he, he was good. And, and I, I asked him about, like, you know, because obviously we all know that it's all Mark and Swayman at the NHL level. There's, there's not a goalie competition there, you know, mate, like there's barely even a comp, really not even a competition for a starting job because we all expect that they're just going to split time again or, you know, more or less split time. Um, but I did ask him about like, you know, Bussy, DiPietro, Kyle Kaiser, like those are all goals kind of getting to a point in their careers where it's like, all right, it's, it's time to push, you know, like they all probably feel like they're getting close to being an NHL ready. And, you know, and Swain was like, yeah, like it's, it's great to have, you know, to be pushed, to have guys. And he's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of goalies who want my job. And he's like, you know, that like, I, it's motivation to, to fight that off and be like, no, like I'm not going to let anyone take, take this job from me. So I think he said, I see every goalie in the NHL as like my competition for this yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, which is like exactly what you want to hear, right? Like you, you never want anyone, even though we know certain guys are, should feel very comfortable in their spots and aren't really being challenged. Like you still want something to motivate guys. You still want everyone to have, you know, something that's, getting them up for the season right like you don't you don't want anyone coasting through training camp because it's going to be hard to flip the switch come opening night if you haven't been going hard so um yeah just organizationally i think like goaltending in general is fascinating to watch because all three of those guys i mentioned should be in the ahl dpatro was the odd man out who spent a lot of last season in the echl but he's I mean, honestly, like he's too good for that level. And mm-hmm. I I'm a little surprised they brought all three back. All three needed new contracts this summer. 
and they all got it. And it's like, that's, it's hard to rotate three goalies at Providence. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that ends up playing out. Like if they are all in Providence or if someone, you know, I guess probably D Pietro gets stuck in the ECHL again, or if there's potentially still a trade to come, not necessarily an Omar Swayman trade, but you know, one of those, one of those minor leaguers. Yeah. And, and it'd be, so somebody that will probably try to get on during preseason uh, that we know has a good gauge on the prospects that we've had on before Mark Dibber um, to kind of help us go through some of those battles and maybe a little bit more history behind um, what some of the guys did in the AHL and, and uh, whatnot. And then it would be interesting if we could get Razor on for it, say there's a good goalie performance by someone that's not all Mark or Swayman uh, in the preseason and just get his thoughts on that. Um, Cause he is, you know, another member of the Odyssey team. So we get, we, we tend to get him on uh, when we can, but I do have. Yeah. yeah and, and Razor's worked with Brandon Bussey in the past. So. Yeah. So, I mean, it'd be good to talk to him about the, the depth at that position and just good to talk to him in general. Um, but so Two questions for you. Uh, I'll start with this one. We still have time left to go in camp and in preseason. Is there anyone in particular that you want to talk to? Any of the players that you have like a burning question for um, that you haven't had a chance to ask yet? Hmm. I, I want to talk. So I definitely want to talk to Zach at some point soon, just because like, obviously, you know, it is a, new bigger role for him and just sort of gauge where he's at. Like, not that I expect anything like explosive to come out of that, but I just think like he, he's obviously such a fascinating player going into this season because yeah, it's, it's him and coil stepping into those two roles, but the coil part of it, it's like, he's been here so long. Like we've talked to him so much. It's, you know what you're getting there. Um, both just in terms of his approach, in terms of what he's going to say. He has already gone through a camp where he was the number two center. Like he did that two years ago. And obviously he ended up not lasting there the whole season, but Zaka, like I know he played center down the stretch last year when Krejci was out. And then during the playoffs when Krejci and Bergeron were out, but things are happening so fast at that point that like there's no there's no time to reflect. There's no time to think like you're just you're just going in and doing it and playing. Now it's like, OK, now that he's had a whole summer to prepare to be the number one or at worst number two center. And, you know, I, I just think it's going to be really interesting to hear like just sort of what this has all been like for him. And that's funny because that was my second question, which was that you put in for. Um, Pablo Zaka to join the podcast, do a little interview with you at some point this week. You think we'll have that uh, available? You haven't talked to him yet, but yeah, ho- hopefully N- nothing finalized yet, but yeah, hoping to potentially have him as a podcast guest. Yeah. It, it is kind of something we've glossed over because it's, it's like almost like we penciled him in with such a small sample size and you almost forget about the small sample size because of all the other dramatics that were happening in the playoffs and you know, him having to come in short notice and he did a good job, but who is to say that that's how he's going to be for, you know, months on end. 
he came in and did the job, uh, you know, in a high pressure situation, but he was the winger on, on that check line for most of the season. So we haven't really fully seen that. I, I think everybody's confident in him. I haven't heard anyone say otherwise. I feel pretty confident that he can do it, but he's mostly been a winger uh, over the past few seasons from New Jersey to Boston. So that is an interesting storyline. So I'm going to get you some questions. I want you to ask him as well. <laughs> I will, I will also say on, on Zaki, cause that just reminded me of one of the highlights from today uh, during that like two on two drill. Pasternak had dangled between Forbert and Carlo and then dished over to Zaka for a one time that he just absolutely roofed over. I, I don't know if it was Swayman. I, I forget the goalie, but um, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, like that, that's a connection. The Bruins Bruins want to see whether it's Pasternak to Zaka or, or the other way around. But obviously those two weren't, on the same line, all of practice, but they did end up together in that drill. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that'll be good. Hopefully we get that soon. Post that up, ramping things up here on the skate pod as the season gets closer and closer and Red Sox wind down, Bruins wind up. Um, one last storyline that I know was brought up and that is something that will be a storyline throughout the season, unless it gets taken care of before the season starts. And that is an extension for Jake DeBrusque. Um, I believe Sweeney was asked about this. Um, I had seen a quote somewhere about those two camps trying to come together potentially and get something done before the season starts. Yeah. I was going to say, we also have to talk about Martian being captain. Um, but oh, yeah. Well, we've mentioned that a little bit, but yeah, we, we have, but we'll, We'll get quick reactions. Um, but yeah, on DeBrusque. So uh, DeBrusque said in an interview like last week or two weeks ago that, you know, he, he does want to stay in Boston and he would be interested in getting an, an extension done. Uh, Sweeney was asked about it and basically it sounded like they haven't talked yet, but they will be soon. So I imagine that happens during camp. Um, but yeah, Sweeney was like, yeah, obviously, you know, first of all, we just have to, figure out, you know, if he does want to stay here and then try to find common ground. But he also said that they, you know, they do have interest in keeping DeBrusque around. So, um, yeah, certainly you could, you could see something get done. And I, I wrote something a few weeks ago and we, we talked about it on here of, you know, what DeBrusque's next contract might look like, um, you know, numbers wise, like <laughs> that's why my cat failed. Visitor. <laughs> there we go visitor on youtube it's... this is daisy yeah <laughs> she doesn't like being held like that <laughs> see this, this is why people gotta watch you never know when one of bridget's many animals is gonna stop it, by at least once at least once so <laughs> um i have no authority <laughs> uh but yeah so so it sounds like there's probably mutual interest but they just haven't actually sat down and talked or obviously exchange numbers yet but that will be fascinating like i could i could potentially see it coming together quickly it you know like if you go back to the last extension debrus signed that seemed to come come together pretty quickly because he had had a trade request in all season and then things had turned around really just in like the that like month month and a half leading up to the trade deadline and all of a sudden trade deadline deal 
trade deadline day, he signs a two-year extension. Um, so this could be another quick one, but it also could be a much longer deal, much more money. And that, you know, tends to complicate things and drag out negotiations. So it may very well continue into the season. And, you know, we saw last year with Pasternak, he goes out and has a great year and we know his price went up, um, you know, from where everyone thought he might land before the season to where he actually ended up going. Um, you know, in that case, like Pasternak waiting worked out great for him and the Bruins probably wound up spending more money than they were originally hoping to. Um, you know, something similar could happen with DeBrusque or he could have a quiet start and his value goes down, which isn't good because that means that's a bad sign for your team. Like you need Jake DeBrusque to be a big contributor, Mm -hmm. but you know, if he does have another gets off to another good start and has another season like last year or one that's even better then yeah, the, the longer he goes without a contract, the naturally the more the price will go up. Yeah. And sometimes people play better in a contract year. So maybe there's a little bit extra motivation for him if it doesn't get done before the season starts. However, circumstances were different for him last year than they are this year. And you don't want your value to go down now that you're not playing on, you know, the same top line with Marshawn and Bergeron. So uh, there is a, a risk in that, in him waiting to sign, I think as well. So uh, quickly, Brad Marchand is the Bruins next captain. I, none of us are surprised by this. None of the players are surprised by this. It seemed like the natural way to go after Bergeron left. So um, a lot has been made about his past, about his licking, about his, his on ice antics. And he's done a lot over the last, few seasons in particular uh the 2022-23 season I think you saw kind of that final shift in character towards a more mature Brad Marchand uh a leader somebody that in the absence of Bergeron during the playoffs really um stepped up vocally and um tried to take the lead on the ice as well so uh I don't I don't know about you (laughs) not a surprise um and I think he'll be a good captain. I don't, I don't, I know the emotions for him have been something that in the past he wasn't able to control, but it's also something that's made him a better player because he can bring that energy. Uh, is there any concerns you have about him as a captain? Because on my end, I think it's the right choice. Um, I think you had to give it to him. I don't really know. I think giving it to one of the younger guys would have been a big snub to him. Uh, and, he seems like the natural guy to give to. Yeah. And you know, like you said, like we, we all expected it here. I know some people thought it might be McAvoy or, or maybe wanted it to be McAvoy. Um, to, and we talked about this at the time, like to me, what sealed it was seeing him take control of captain's practices right from the start of those. It's like, Oh yeah. Like that's the captain. Like, mm-hmm. duh. Um, yeah. Captain's practices without a, like, named captain was kind of a weird thing from the start and he even mentioned it in his thing he was like i was wondering when they were gonna talk to me (laughs) like what i thought it would be before like i don't know yeah but you know so i mean he's been alternate captain for several years now he really was bergeron's right hand man not just on the ice because they're on the same line but off it once you know for years it was char is the captain and bergeron is 
technically the alternate captain, but like really the co-captain. Mm-hmm. When Chara left, technically he was his left hand man. All right, yeah. Wait, way to way to get technical on me here, Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but then when Chara left and Bergeron gets to see, yeah, it was okay. So that very first season, it was Martian and Krejci. And that's a little different, right? Because like Krejci had also been there a long time. So like that was, they were all kind of in it together. Then when Krejci goes abroad for a year, like that was the first time where it was like, all right, Martian's clearly second in line. Like he's now, you know, if not the co-captain to Bergeron, like he's the top alternate captain. We've seen that other A rotate quite a bit over the last couple of years where sometimes it's McAvoy, sometimes it's Pasternak. Even like, you know, I think Brandon Carlo Ward at one point, like even a couple other guys, Felino Ward sometimes. So, but Martian was the one constant. So that kind of told you like he's, he's next in line. And then I think last year in the playoffs, when they go down to Florida and Bergeron doesn't make the trip, everything everyone said was like Martian took control. Like Martian stepped up in the room. Montgomery said that on Wednesday. He was like, you know, I sort of like I saw it then, saw that it was Marshan's room uh without Bergeron in there. So yeah, he's not he's not gonna be the same exact kind of leader as Char and Bergeron. He said that himself yesterday. He was like, you know, there's a lot that I learned from them that I want to keep doing, but also I'm not them, so I can't <laughs> do exactly what they did. Um he's almost like the polar opposite to Bergeron. <laughs> yeah, like I, I I think he will be you know, I think he will be more fiery at times. And like, I don't even think that's a bad change, honestly, because I think there have probably been times where the Bruins could have used more of that. And and during the playoffs last year was probably one of them. Like they, they entered the playoffs with, I, I wouldn't call it arrogance, but they were very calm, confident. And like, they, they never did came anywhere close to panicking, but it's almost like, maybe more urgency was needed at some point, you know, like maybe some sort of fire being lit under them, maybe someone, you know, stepping up and, and giving a, a passionate speech, like might've been needed. Like maybe they were almost too calm where it's like, we're going to figure it out guys. Like we're not going to lose this series. Don't worry. Like we're, we're going to get it right. And it's like, I don't know, maybe someone needed to step up and be like, get your fucking head out of your ass. You know, like who knows? So like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing uh, that Martian might lead a little differently. No, I don't think so either. But I, I question what could have been the difference last playoffs, and none of us know. So uh, you, you could, could have point to a lot of things. But anyway, not to get back into that. Uh, <laughs> so Marshawn uh, had a press conference. Cam Neely spoke about it. Uh, Don Sweeney. Spoke about it as well. Um, and Pasternak and uh, McAvoy given the A's at the same time. So makes a lot of sense to me. Makes a lot of sense to you. I think we could speak for Brian as well. <laughs> that all of that kind of lines up. Uh, no surprise there. Yeah. And I guess last thing for me is like on the idea of, you know, his suspension history and all of that. I mean, look, like until he gets to the end of his career without another incident, it's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. You know, let's not 
let's not forget, like it was only two seasons ago that he got suspended twice for a total of nine games. Now, I don't know that like either of those things were the most egregious things he's ever done, right? One was a slew foot of Oliver Ekman Larson that kind of to me just seemed more of like a clumsy play than any. Like, I don't think he was intentionally trying to slew foot him. It was just he just kind of went into a hit awkwardly and like his leg was in a bad spot. And then there was the Tristan Jerry thing, which was extremely stupid, but like obviously wasn't going to actually hurt Tristan Jerry. Um, but Martian got six games for that, which is the longest mm-hmm. suspension of his career. And that was and that's not because- even, you know, that was what, not even two calendar years ago. So, um, but he gets it, it becomes the longest of his, it would have been a two game suspension for someone that didn't have a history. But because right. of history, he gets it. Yeah, and I think that was one of the wake-up calls. Like, so Marshall was asked yesterday, you know, like, had, was there some sort of wake-up call at some point along the way? And and he pointed to the Ryan Callahan licking thing as, like, something, like, he, he, he regretted and was like, is this really how I want to be remembered? Like, he was already one of the best players in the NHL at that point. And it's like, do I, like, do I really want to be remembered as, like, the guy who licks someone or – do I want to just like play hockey and be remembered as a great hockey player? So he pointed to that. Unfortunately, I, I think it's already kind yeah. of. <laughs> I think that's always well, people that. like it's too late. Uh, everybody that I talk to that's not a Bruins fan is like, "Oh, you lick people." Like, yeah. Oh, your captain licks someone. Right. Um, but like, I also think I think that Tristan Jerry suspension was also a turning point and like another wake up call. And again, that this is why. You can't, you can't say with one hundred percent confidence that he's like totally past it because it's like, well, there's been multiple wake up calls. But I, he even said at the time he was like, yeah, like he got six games because of his history. And if you remember, like when he did that, Bergeron had gotten hurt either it was either earlier that same game or like the game before, and they so they they were without Bergeron, and it's like, oh well, okay, obviously Martian's gonna have to step up. And then he does that and he gets himself suspended. And it's like, yeah, like that, not that it put them in danger of like missing the playoffs or anything, but the Bruins weren't totally secure in like their playoff spot. Like, remember they didn't win the division that season, Um, you know? And it was like, that was like a moment where he legitimately just let the team down. Cause it's like now they end up going like two weeks without him or Bergeron playing. And it's like, yeah, tough spot to, to put your team in, bud. like that, that's not good. Um, he was and, you know, suspended. So I, he was suspended for the Winter Classic in 2016, I think. Yeah, yep. he was suspended for that game, which I I went to. Um, I was in college, and I went to freezing cold. Uh, they got badly beaten by the Canadians, and one of the reasons was because Marshawn was not there. So a lot of people who traveled far to come see the Winter Classic uh, and the event that got put on there. Didn't get to see Brad Marshawn because he was suspended. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, I also think that was kind of a moment of, like, all right, like, I I really need to do cut the shit because, like, yeah, he wasn't hurting Tristan Jarry. He wasn't trying to hurt him. But he did something really dumb, and it hurt the team. And it's like, all right, like, you, you just can't do that anymore. And I, and I think he's – I think you've seen him take, like – he especially talking about like the C it's 
he clearly appreciates it and has like a ton of respect for what it means. And he has a ton of respect for the legacies of Bergeron and Chara. And like, he knows it's his job now to carry that on. And, you know, certainly the, the Martian we've heard both at the start of captain's practices and yesterday after he officially was named captain is someone who is like very honored and grateful and does not take this for granted at all. Like he clearly appreciates sort of the weight of it. Um, and, you know, I, I think he is going to be a good captain. Like it, I know mm-hmm. you, you said that, but yeah, like definitely um, just because it, like, it clearly matters to him and he's, he's going to give it his all. And like he said, he's like, I'm not going to be perfect right from the start, but he'll put in the work because he's seen, he saw the work Bergeron put into it. He saw the work Chara put into it. Not, you know, it's not just being a great player and talking to the refs on the ice and what at, or, you know, leading drills. It's building like a whole, it's building the team. It's bringing everyone together. It's, it's checking, checking on guys, you know, making sure everyone's in a good spot. Like it's all of that stuff. And I think he's already been doing some of that as Bergeron's assistant. And now it's on him to, you know, to be the leader. And by the way, it's worth mentioning that the guys he trains with in the offseason, Sidney Crosby uh, and Nathan McKinnon, are some guys he trains with. And Crosby's been a captain now for 17 seasons. So he's not just learned from Chara, Bergeron. Like, he's around other guys that have been captains, like Sidney Crosby. Um, and, yeah, I think he'll he'll do well in that role. He's come a long way from licking people. Um, and I thought of this when you were in the middle of talking about Marshawn's suspensions, but, uh, you know, who deserved a suspension last season, the camera guy that hit me in the head during Brad Marshawn's, uh, exit. Uh, I don't want to say exit interviews, but like on breakup day, yeah, uh, I went to talk to Marshawn and some guy, I still don't know who it was, hit me so hard in the head with a camera that Brad Marshawn was like, are you okay? And then yeah. he used my head as a tripod. And I will find you. And you will be suspended. Yeah, luckily that was, you know, that was in the room and we were able to carry Bridget over to concussion protocol and she, she got I evaluated. Like, I, I needed Brad to get on my side and like let me know who <laughs> it was that hit me in the head and, and be like, just like help me take him on because I'm like, I'm not even kidding you. I went through the footage from every news site that day to try to find out the cameraman that was behind me that hit me. And I still don't know who it was. I had our friend Angie help me try to figure it out too. I will find you. <laughs> <laughs> I also got in the head with multiple microphones. Well, and then, if that happens again this year, I swear to God. I mean, that's nor like the microphones. I, I think you kind of just have to accept, but I know yeah, who hit me with the microphones. Yeah. Getting, getting crushed with the camera though. That's, that's not fun. He used me as a tripod. <laughs> he literally balanced the camera on my head. And I was just looking around at people like Elaine and even Marshawn. I was like, does anyone see this? I'm not a tripod. <laughs> I was that day. <laughs> but yeah, you only got two legs. I'm, I mean, yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to get suspended next season if someone else hits me <laughs> in the face with something because I'm done with it. I'm over it. 
Dan Roach, don't hit me with your microphone again. <laughs> people, people are going to be swinging their microphones around Bridges' face like Marshan swinging a stick at Jerry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to lick him, but I might hit him. I'm <laughs> not sure yet. All right. Anyway, my phone is about to die. Had to record this on my phone because my laptop crapped out. I also broke my phone at a wedding, but still worked. Bridges laptop on physically unable to perform to start training. Camp. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm wor- I'm worried it's a season ending injury, <laughs> career ending injury. So I need a new one. All right. Well, I have nothing else to say either. So I think we're good. <laughs>